Welcome to Deep Well Astrology. I'm Allison Disler, a psychological astrologer and somatic educator. And in this podcast, we'll explore how astrology can illuminate our embodied consciousness and nourish our soul. In celebration of the turning of the sky, I'm going to start the Mercury and water signs with Mercury and Pisces. Today is February 24th, 2022. And for anyone who's a weekly listener, you may have noticed last week was a gap week for me. Seems as if the transition from air-based mercurial thinking to water-centered mercurial thinking took a little more time to shift for me. If you follow me long enough on blogs or podcasts, you'll catch these gap rhythms with me. Every so often, the waters will envelop me and I'll take some time to reemerge. This is one of the gifts and challenges I've learned to embrace as both a water-dominant elemental person and someone with a lot of personal planets in water signs. So welcome to water. Today, February 24th, the sun in Pisces is approaching a conjunction with Jupiter in Pisces, which is slowly approaching a conjunction with Neptune in Pisces. I don't know about you, but for me, having some of our planetary energy shifting into water signs and mutable water signs has been a bit of a welcomed relief from the dry air and constrictive and constructive elements of Saturn. True, Saturn and Mercury are still in Aquarius, Pluto in Capricorn, and Venus and Mars still dancing, also in Saturn-ruled Capricorn approaching a conjunction with Pluto in Capricorn. Surely for Venus, I sigh right now. Girls just want to have fun. There's a lot of enclosure there. Well, I've been outside a lot lately and have a live in a forested kind of four season area in the Midwest U.S. And right now our landscape is marked by patches of frozen ice, icicles, and kind of slick hard frozen mud that also sometimes thaws and little patches of landscape in the sun that looks a little more like spring and in those areas it's forming pools and eddies of clear cool water and some ground springs are starting to swell with this very cold spring water and both this frozenness and this thaw is happening at the same time. For the next three weeks here at this podcast, we'll conclude our Mercury podcast series with three weeks of communication through the lens of a Mercury and water. There are three possible signs Mercury could be in if it is in a water sign. This is Mercury in Cancer, Scorpio, or Pisces. Each of these water signs will express the themes and energies of Mercury differently because each of these water signs expresses a different flow or pattern of energy. In astrology, this is called modality. Being water dominant myself, I tend to be able to fall into the different rhythms and pressures of mercurial currents. But for those of us who are not water dominant, nor a water mercury native, let's enter in another way to water. Water as an element is collective. It is shared. It flows like air, but in contrast to air, which is more movable and detached, water is in touch. 
It's in touch with feelings, emotions, and things beneath the surface. Depths, the collective unconscious. It can flow into deep caverns, into what's hidden. But it itself has no shape. It's all over the place. It can go anywhere. It can flood. It can pool. Water as an element represents emotions, empathy, compassion, irrationality, and boundarylessness. Another way of saying this is a porous or permeable kind of substance. This is a gift and a challenge. This flow can move between concepts of past, present, and future, and it's comfortable living in a context of atemporality. Remembering long into the past or potentially visioning into the future, water can pick up like a sponge all the feelings of the environment and truly is most useful when it has a container or a boundary. If we are thirsty, it's helpful to have a cup to drink from. If we are a river, it is the banks that holds and allows our flow. Take a moment before we continue. Can you get a sense of water as an element? Now, what happens when we match Mercury, Hermes, the winged messenger with themes of water? If you've been listening prior to this episode, you may have some familiarity with Mercury. As a psychological astrologer, I primarily look at Mercury in natal charts as representing the way we tend to think, communicate, listen, learn, and convey messages. When Mercury meets the element of water, it is almost as if the moviability, the electrical energy of Hermes or Mercury, is diffused or spread out a bit. One way of saying this is a Mercury is predisposed to nonverbal orientation in a water sign. Each of the three water-based signs will refine the basic water qualities through their modality. Mutable water, as expressed through Pisces, is an expansive, nonverbal, interconnective energy that is merging, shape-shifting, collective-driven, and unbound, like an ocean. Cardinal water, as expressed through Cancer, is receptive, protective, strong, initiating, sensitive energy that is aware of inherent cycles of life, bonds to the past, and familial interconnection, something like a marsh. Fixed water, as expressed through Scorpio, is a penetrating, uncompromising, and self-protective energy that is deep, intense, and purging, something like a well. Let's dive a bit deeper into Mercury and Pisces. If we look at the symbology for Pisces, we see the double fish. Some folks think of fish or even mermaids in relation to Pisces symbology. One of my favorite figures to think about when working with the Piscean archetype is the Melusine. The Melusine is a figure, a woman often depicted with the top half of a woman and the bottom half of a serpent or a fish. If you poke around and look for the difference between mermaids and melusine, there's some talk that melusines are associated with fresh water rather than the sea, or sometimes a melusine is seen with two tails instead of one. But I think one of the key differences is in the telling of the story of melusine. 
since in much lore the Melusine only turns into a fish or a serpent-tailed creature some of the time, while at other times she is a recognizable woman. In the story of Melusine, or one of the stories, it was her mother that punished her, which turned her into half a serpent every Saturday. When I look into stories of mermaids who dwell in the ocean or the sea, oftentimes they dwell permanently this way. I think this is the difference, and this is kind of a key when thinking about Pisces and about Mercury in Pisces. So hang on just a moment with me in this. In the case of the Melusine, when she came of age to marry, it was on the condition, yes, but her boundary was, do not disturb me or come into my chambers or my bath on Saturdays. This was her boundary. This was a request. And in the end, the husband betrayed the boundary and found out Melusine's secret. And so like her mother, like the lineage before, she vanished, disappeared, and left. This whole notion, the storyline of the Melusine asking for a part of herself to remain a mystery or a secret or a world into her own in order to survive gives us a clue of how our planets in Pisces may operate. When we think about Mercury or the function of thought, it seems like we prize it to be logical, forward-oriented, clear, functional, and intelligible. I'd agree also that we have whole institutions around sculpting and taming and training the mercurial function, how to think, how to learn to fit in, and be useful and constructive in society. When we are a person with a Mercury in Pisces, or maybe a Mercury in other water signs, it can feel almost as if normative mind structures or thought processes are something we have to learn how to do, rather than what comes innately. At best, a Mercury in Pisces may be seen or noticed as artistic, inspirational, unique, musical, or creative. On the other end of the spectrum and in certain schools, a Mercury in Pisces may be labeled with a learning difference, or in some cases, just being a wrong way to be. Mercury and Pisces folks must live in a society that in some ways appreciates nonlinear, nonverbal, and sometimes illogical ways of thinking, but also it simultaneously wants to sculpt and contain this. Like the story of the Melusine who asks for space and privacy for herself and her secrets and her world, and the husband barges in demanding to know, to erase any possible space for her secrets and mystery. Part of harboring a Mercury in Pisces is this connection with the depths and the mystery. A Mercury in Pisces also absorbs so much of the sensory environment like a sponge that it's necessary to have a secret private space to swim and filter and sort out all the impressions. A Mercury in Pisces may be a bit illogical at times. It may take in logical information. At the same time, it's taking in smells, sounds, memories of the past, visions of the future all at once. With this description, we can start to get this idea of this watery environment. Have you ever been somewhere or to some place that's so sensually evocative it stops you in your tracks? 
So think about a concert, immersive art experience, a birth experience, or even falling in love. These are all places where we experience an almost altered state of heightened sensory awareness and detail. Having a Mercury in Pisces can feel a bit like this, even when in places like a grocery store or driving. For those who have a Mercury in Pisces, think of the Melusine with her place for privacy on Saturdays, a request for space and boundaries. And if you know someone with a Mercury in Pisces or you have other Piscean planets, be aware of being the figure or the energy that barges in and demands to know. It is possible that each of us have a Piscean piece in ourself, which is its own mysterious, nonlinear, and nonverbal creature. When you look at a painting that moves you, can you always describe why with words? What if we just let that kind of experience be? So if I've now been speaking about a Mercury in Pisces for these last several minutes, and none of this resonates with you, and you also have a Mercury in Pisces, take a look at your natal chart. First of all, see what other planets are touching it or aspecting it. Uh, one thing I've been saying about Mercury is that its qualities, one of its qualities is that anything that Mercury touches, it takes the hue of, it takes the shade of. So if you're looking at your Mercury, see what else touches it, what else colors it. Nobody, hardly anyone is going to have a pure Mercury in Pisces that's not touching anything. So just remember that, that it's, it's movable. And if none of this resonates, it's possible that there is something else touching that Mercury that makes it more clear or makes it um, more linear. It kind of changes its nature a little bit. In the final section, um, like I've been doing with the other signs, I want to talk about Mercury and Pisces from a listening perspective. Um, I think it is the opportunity for all Mercuries and water signs to take a moment to draw a reflective boundary about what's being embodied or absorbed. So a Mercury and Pisces has the capacity to be a balanced, empathetic listener and learner but the tendency without awareness is to take everything in and to overextend perceptions, listening, empathy, compassion. Another way of saying this is merging and to merge so much with the sensory world that the sense of self and environment can become blurred. What is me? What is someone else? What's actually really happening? I like to think of pouring a fluid here. A Mercury in Pisces can almost pour its awareness into the environment, suck up stimulus, and then be flooded. When this is the case, it can be hard to listen with precision or to discern what's important, and then perhaps even make a decision from there. If a Mercury in Pisces pours awareness into the environment and picks up verbal cues, emotional cues, environmental stimuli, it can and must listen much more discerning much more microcosmically if we're with somebody who's asking us something simple like what can i get for dinner from the store 
what we need to learn to be able to do with that Mercury in Pisces is focus and discern when things do need to be linear and when things are just simple. To cultivate discernment and boundaries can be helpful as we learn to cultivate the ability to focus and even titrate ourselves at time, to be able to steward nuanced listening. Titration is a cue. To remember not all parts of life need to be wet and mushy. They actually can't be. Doses of dry earth and ability to sharpen mundane and linear and practical ways of listening is a useful tool. So dry out a little bit. It will not diminish any wild, dreamy, creative, empathetic, or poetic ways of being in and with the world. In fact, by sharpening discernment, we may even be able to construct and create or build that magical sanctuary, a private Piscean self, which is what it's yearning for. We find in the paradox of chaos and boundaries a richness. And in those boundaries, we find a way to help the river do what it does, which is to flow. It's possible, I think, that this may be the context of creation itself. Until next time, breathe deep, linger long.